Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Kristen Kearns, the COO of Element Productions. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of On The Spot. I am Melinda Garvey, the founder of On The Dot, and I am super excited to be with you today. As always, each week we always interview such an amazing, incredible role model for On The Spot, and it's no different today. I'm actually excited to welcome Kristen Kearns, and she is the CEO and executive producer for Element Productions, which is a full-service production company that creates content for distribution across all media platforms. So welcome, Kristen. Really happy to have you here today. I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you. So before we get into what you're doing today, I kind of like to go way back because I think it's important that we see the paths of our role models and understand that they're not always a straight path. I think sometimes it's hard for us to go, okay, well, she's doing that now. That's great. But what does she think she'd be doing? So I'd love for you just to kind of go way back when you were growing up or, you know, in college studying, what what did you think that you were going to be doing? What was your big dream? So both of my parents are in the arts. My father was an artist and my mother actually had ballroom dance studios. And so I grew up in a dance environment and thought for sure that I would be some sort of performer, either a dancer or an actress. So I remember when I was a little kid, just, you know, watching my mother dance and always feeling like that was going to be the place that I was going to go. And um, I actually went to a performing arts high school and studied theater and dance. And so that sort of seemed to be my trajectory that that's what I was going to do. And oddly enough, when I came to applying for colleges, the Brigham Young University has an amazing ballroom dance program. And so I had applied there thinking that maybe that's what I wanted to do because I was so passionate about dance. And I didn't get accepted for the normal fall semester. So I didn't get accepted. I got accepted for the winter semester, but I wanted to go to college right away after graduating high school. So I decided that I would go to Emerson College and study communications. And so went there in the fall and kind of, you know, found my way into the television and film department and discovered that I really loved producing. That's kind of, you know, set my path in this direction. But I think that one of the interesting things about when you look back at your trajectory, certainly, especially when you're in a creative type of really passionate about dance and performance, I mean, that's a very creative, I mean, that could have felt like a big failure, right? I'm sure you were super disappointed when you didn't get accepted. And understanding now, looking back, that often those things happen for a reason, and it sets you on a completely different path, but obviously one that you're super passionate about now. So, you know, important to see all those twists and turns as positive. Yeah, I think when you look back, you definitely realize that sometimes things were just meant to be. And I have no regrets whatsoever. I think that I'm super happy with the direction that kind of wound up in. And you sort of think of that sliding doors metaphor of like, what happened if? And I would have a totally different life. And so I'm really happy that it sort of, you know, pushed me into this path. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that life at Element and tell us a little bit about what you do and sort of how you landed there. 
So when I was at college at Emerson, I actually started, I was looking for an internship and was looking for a company called the Boston Film and Video Foundation and started, you know, went to their offices and there was nobody at the front desk. So I started wandering down the halls, you know, looking for somebody to help me so I could apply for this internship. And I walked in and saw somebody and I said, you know, oh, are you looking for interns? And the woman turns to me and says, yes, when can you start? Well, that I had actually wandered into a casting company called Boston Casting. And so Boston Casting um, instantly hired me as an intern. I said that I would be back there later this afternoon, but I did have a class that I needed to go to, but started right away and, you know, worked very closely with them and really started helping with the casting sessions. And that's how I actually met Element because I was casting commercials for them and met one of their directors, Rudy Schwab, who then hired me as a PA and eventually a, a position opened up at Element as a production coordinator and I just hopped at the opportunity. And so that was almost 20 years ago that I started working for Element. And in this day and age, it's highly unusual to work for a company for 20 years. I mean, that's just almost, I mean, if somebody's at a company two years, I hear some of my younger employees say, wow, I've been here such a long time. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So I guess in those 20 years, what made you say? What are some of the things that were pivotal? So I think it's funny that you say that people sort of, you know, staying in one place for so long is so unusual. And I think I did have a little bit of that bug because in my 20s, I was like, oh my gosh, this has been my only job. So I did leave for two years, but ended up coming back um, because I really sort of was like, oh my gosh, I can't be at one place. I've got to go and explore. I've got to have other jobs. I've got to have other roles. But ultimately, I just kept coming back. It is such a family atmosphere here. There's just great people, great culture. And I really enjoy doing what I do. I love working with creative people. I love working side by side in a collaborative environment, um, organizing shoots and sort of putting together teams to execute all these different video productions. So, you know, now it's hard for me to imagine doing anything else. It's just been a really great culture and atmosphere here. It's interesting because had you not left for those two years, and of course you never know, but it's probably highly likely, like it's almost like sometimes you have to see the other side. And I'm sure you learned things while you were gone for two years that you brought back. You know, the message is if you are feeling that way, be open to other things, but also be open to appreciating what you have and and being able to come back to that. I think that a lot of people have sort of that grass is always greener mentality and, you know, kind of get antsy and and you never know what you're going to get. You may leave and find an amazing opportunity and find maybe a better fit, but it's not always the case. You know, you can have awful managers, you can have really, you know, drama and infighting and really poor corporate culture. And, you know, you then does make you appreciate, you know, what you have because, you know, when you do find, you you know, amazing people to work with and amazing culture, amazing mentors. You really, you know, just need to fully embrace that. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about being a woman in your industry, because of course there have been, you know, over the last couple of years with the kind of the, the really huge onset of the women's movement, there have been countless articles just about the lack of women in production and television production and, and film production, and also certainly in advertising world. I think all of those touch on what you do. So I'd love for you just to talk about being a woman in this industry and, you know, just how you've sort of made your way and if you felt like there have been any particular challenges because you're a woman. 
So I actually think it's a really great time to be a woman now in this industry. And I don't think that I would necessarily have said that when I first started. There are huge movements that are being created to really support women. There's one particular called Free the Bid. And Free the Bid is an organization that was started to really get more female directors opportunities to direct because, you know, we tend to be in a triple bid situation when we're bidding projects for video production. And very rarely would women Women even have the opportunity to bid any sort of projects. And now with an organization like Free the Bid, now companies are signing up to say, yes, at least one of those bids will be from a female. So it's a very exciting time because that has not been the case. And it has very much been a male-dominated industry. And I think that I have really pushed. We now have more female employees than we do males. You know, we are recently featured about just sort of the women influence that we have in this company because, you know, it's just to have that opportunity in such a male-dominated industry. But it's still a struggle for a lot of the female crew members, camera department, the cinematographers. It is just a really tough industry because there isn't really a work-life balance. People don't understand needing to take a break to pump for your baby or anything like that, you know, and your schedule's unpredictable. But there is such a strong movement now that there are organizations that are forming to really support moms. And I try to, you know, join whatever I can, you know, part of a women's leadership committee, part of, you know, just sort of a women's Facebook group, even just for women in film who are just trying to struggle and answer questions about childcare or, you know, how do you just juggle life, which can be very challenging. And so I just think that luckily there are now resources to really help with that movement. So it is a kind of exciting time to be a woman in this industry. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and this is a great segue because we don't always talk about working moms. I think sometimes it gets backburnered still, but it's such an important thing to talk about because the studies are still out that not only are women working more and they're working, you know, big jobs and leadership roles, but they're still putting in as many hours at home. And you, of course, have three children. How old are your kids? Yeah, so my three kids, my oldest is my son, Edward, and he is 10 years old. My daughter, Burma, is eight, and my youngest, Cecilia, is six. I consider those littles, you know? (laughs) You're really, you know, hands on deck managing. I have an 11-year-old son, and I have one. You know, it's just difficult to juggle. So I just would love for you to talk about you know, maybe some of the biggest challenges that you face having three kids working full-time and certainly full-time in an industry where that's great. There are now these opportunities and these, but I would imagine that when you first had kids, that wasn't so much the case. So I'd love for you to sort of talk about that and any hacks you have. It's really hard to find a balance, and I think it is a struggle. You know, I think my coworkers saw my family schedule and they freaked out. They were like, oh my gosh, that is what your family schedule looks like? I said, yes, yes, I have a lot of things going on and a lot of other people to manage, you know, but I have a great husband and a great partner, and we sort of have to divide and conquer. And I think that the biggest struggle is always the mom guilt, you know, is how do you combat the mom guilt in, 
having to work late or missing a performance or some sort of recital and just trying to balance all of that. And I think that really the key to that is to find those quality moments with your kids and, you know, really having the full attention when you are with them because, and they understand and I talk to them about what I do and how I can be busy, you know, and how I'm busy. My husband's a teacher, so he always has the summers off. And so they always question me when I get my summers off, having to explain to them that that's not quite how my job works. But for me, it's really important for them to view and understand my work ethic and having a career and understanding the importance of that to me. But they also understand that I'm there for them. Having family dinner time is probably one of the most important things that my mom was lucky to sort of pass that down to me. She was a working mom as well, but she always made sure that she was up when we were up making breakfast and she was always home to put dinner on the table. And I think that that's really important because that's the time to kind of reconnect. And it may feel like a very small window of time, but that is the time to like really find out what was happening in school and to ask the questions and to know their friends and to know sort of the what's going on around them and to connect with them at bedtime and read stories. So it's always I'm trying to find the smaller moments to really have a true connection and put away the technology and put down the phone and really have that one-on-one. Because there's going to be weeks where it's completely off balance and off kilt where you're just at work way more than you are with your family, but then you really enjoy the time where you can let the balance tilt the other direction. Well, and I think the the electronics thing is super hard, not only with the kids, but also, I mean, you know, you're always connected. You know, there's something always going on. And I had a little bit of the whole mom guilt thing going on this weekend when my son was lamenting that, you know, you just never, your work, and I did, I worked all weekend. I had so, I just had so much catch up to do, you know, and he's like, when are you going to spend time with me? When are you going to do that? You know, so it's interesting when you sort of hear it from their perspective. I'm like, well, but you're always on your phone and you're all playing with your friend. You know, I'm thinking that they're okay, but they really are craving that time with you. Well, you mentioned that you have a daughter. And so in terms of just your daughter and vis-a-vis everything that's going on with the women's movement and the confidence gap, and I know that starts young. How do you sort of interact with your daughter or talk to her even a little bit differently than you do your sons to encourage her? Yeah, both of my girls, I think that it's frightening how quickly they are just bombarded by things in school immediately. From, you know, what to wear to who they're hanging out with. You know, my youngest being six, it's just crazy that she's already feels those pressures around her. And so for me, I just want my girls to be who they want to be. I support them if they want to wear something funky, if they want to wear their hair, you know, in in lots of pigtails over their head. Like I want them to express their individuality and feel confident in that. You know, I really am always trying to be very conscious of any sort of body shaming. Um, We want our girls to be comfortable in the skin that they have. And we're all different shapes and sizes. And you just really want to embrace that and not have them feel bad about it. Because even my two girls, they're very different. They both look different. They have a different shape and size, but you just want to instill the confidence in them 
And also just teach them how to be good friends and good, you know, people in this society because you don't want to be raising a mean girl. You want them to be the one who's always thinking kindly and conscientiously. So I think there's a lot of conversations and just trying to use good, positive language so that they feel confident in themselves because it's tough. It is very tough out there, even for little, little girls. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we're kind of closing down, we're going to do a little bit on our speed round just to find out just a little bit more about you. So the first question is, what does your morning routine look like? My morning routine is chaos. (laughs) I imagine with three kids. Yeah. My morning routine is chaos. I have morning duty as my husband leaves the house at 6.30 in the morning to go and teach. So I have three kids to get up in the morning, get dressed, have breakfast, lunch packed and out the door. So I have everything pretty much timed out to the minute. I know when everybody needs to be downstairs at the table eating breakfast, how long I have to do hair, how long to get shoes and socks on and how quickly I need to push them out the door. You know, and so morning is an absolute chaos and I try to get into work early before everybody else does, which luckily with the bus schedule and dropping my kids off, I tend to be the first one in and sort of use that time in the morning to finally breathe a little bit and plan (laughs) out my day. You try to grab whatever quiet moments you can before the next wave of chaos comes. Right. So what are you currently reading or listening to? I am doing both actually. So the book I'm reading is Small Great Things and the audiobook I'm listening to is A Gentleman in Moscow. Both very, very different, but Small Great Things is an amazing read. I'm blasting through it. I'm already about halfway through and so I can't highly recommend it. Excellent. And who is your role model? I've always looked up to my mom. My mom actually passed away when I was 21, and she still continues to be my role model and somebody that I look up to as far as being the mother that I want to be, but also she was a businesswoman and constantly think about her and what she would do when I'm faced with challenges being a woman um, or you know challenges in work. Excellent. So what's one thing you can't live without? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think that it would have to be tea. I am a tea drinker and I don't think I'd be able to start my day off or be a successful person if I didn't have my cup of tea in the morning. (laughs) And what's one piece of advice that you would give your 10-year-old self? I think to just not care what other people think. I think that it was to have more confidence and not worry about what other people say and just do your own thing. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate and appreciate your candor and sharing with us and also for being such a great role model for women. So thank you. And we look forward to following you and seeing what you're up to next. Thanks so much. It's been fun. For more female empowerment, inspiration and advice, subscribe to our free daily newsletter and audio brief, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Let us know your thoughts or what you want to hear next from at on the dot woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're here to help you become the best boss babe you are meant to be. 